Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Hey, all right, well, hey, Lakepoint family, it's good to see you guys. If you got your Bibles, head over to Matthew 24. We are starting a new series this week that I am extremely excited about. The title of the series is "Tis the Season." Tis the season. Now, uh, here's what I have figured out very quickly is there is a lot of controversy about what it is the season for. So because I love you and because I just want to see families and marriages thrive, we are right now going to settle all your family Christmas disputes right now. So we're going to legislate this. We're going to do it via applause. So I need you to practice. Okay. So would you do that? Give me a, give me a little, come on, all of our campuses. Okay. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Now, whatever gets agreed on in the room right now, your family has to abide by. That, those are the rules. Okay, here we go. So number one, where are my people who are like, Christmas tree never goes up before Thanksgiving. We love America. Who are those people? Okay, that's it. Okay. Now, okay, that's great. Where are the people who, you know, maybe like me, who are like, I just love Jesus so much, I wanna celebrate him early. Where are you? Okay. Oh man, that felt very, that felt very gendered, and I was on the wrong side of that. Okay, let me just say that. Okay, now where are my people who are uh, who are my? This is my family, Elf on the Shelf people. Think it's kind of cool, kind of fun. Okay, I see you. Um, now Jan and I are split on this. Where are the people who are like me, who are like actually that's the Christmas version of Chucky? That's what that is. Where are y'all at? It's like I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. I feel like the Chucky side won that one. That's why. Now, uh, I'm about, this next one, I'm going to find out who my friends are. Where are the people who are like, uh, where are the people who would say, Die Hard, not a Christmas movie? You're like, no way. I don't want to see it. Give me, you're like, give me Hallmark Channel. Okay. Now, now's where I find out who my friends are. Where are the people who were like, it ain't Christmas till I see Hans Gruber fall off the Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza? Come on, man. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's it, I see it. Now, this is, uh, this is one, only like six people are gonna cheer, but I just found this out this week. Let me just say, this is, I still don't know what to do with this. Where, I just discovered this this week. Where are the people who you do a Christmas pickle on your tree? Where are y'all at? I, I have never heard of this ever in my life. Y'all are weird. Like, I don't, listen, I don't know what to do. This is, ask somebody else about it later. Now, this is the last one. Let me just say, I really need my side of this one to win, like real bad. Jan and I are very strongly divided on this. I'm gonna play a song, not yet. I'm gonna play a song. All I need is for you to start either cheering or booing when the song starts, and whichever one is louder, that is what has to happen in all Lake Point houses moving forward, okay? Now, cheer or boo, here we go, do it right now.
Okay, well, there's controversy about those things. Here's what there is not controversy about. In the next four weeks, what we wanna do is we want to disciple and help you in four things that it is absolutely the season to do. Here's what these four things are. Here's where we're going in the series. Tis the season to grieve a loss. Some of you get that one. Tis the season to help the needy. Tis the season to remember the reason for the season. And tis the season to, here's what we're doing today. Tis the season to reconcile a relationship. Now, this just got real. Just got real. Now, you may be going, Josh, why are we talking about forgiveness and reconciliation at Christmas? Let me just lean in. Here's why. Y'all understand this? They're coming. He's coming. She's coming. They're going to be at your house, at your dinner table. In three weeks, they're going to be there. And then if I could just like emotionally gear shift for a second, like let me just like be, be for real about something that's not, not as funny. For some of you, you're going, man, actually what's tough is this is the year they're not coming. Kids aren't coming this year. Daughter's not coming. I'm not going to go see dad this year. My brother and I don't talk anymore. And what I want to say, what I came here to say today is that Jesus has the power and the resources, the redemption and the glory to bring change to that. That's what, that's what we believe, man. So let me just dive right in. Here's why I say that. Let me talk about why we're doing this. Uh, Jesus one time was talking about when he's going to return in Matthew 24. And his disciples asked him, hey, so what's going to be the sign of your return? And Jesus said, okay, here's gonna be one of the signs that I'm coming soon. Now now watch this language. Jesus said, and then many will be, everybody say it out loud, many will be offended. Now here's what's interesting. That word many is the Greek word that means majority. So Jesus says, when it's getting close, the majority of people, they're gonna be like making a decision to be and stay offended. And then he says, here's what's gonna happen. Many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Now, what you gotta know is that is a progression. Offense, betrayal, hatred. That's always how it goes. If you take offense into your heart, offense is a moment, living offended is a decision. If you take offense in your heart and you live offended, you will eventually prioritize your needs over the needs of that person and you will betray them. When you betray them, you will eventually, the word is hate. What it means is there will be a distance between you, something between you. Now, what the Bible's giving is this image of a wall. Offense, betrayal, hatred, it leads to walls that Satan uses to divide people. Now you may go, Josh, where do you, where do you get that? Proverbs eighteen nineteen says, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. You tell me. Thousands of years ago, what surrounded a city to make it strong, A wall. And the goal of the wall was to keep people who would hurt you out and to let only the people who might be able to help you in. That is what an offended person is trying to do. They build emotional walls and they think that they're walls of protection to keep people who will hurt you out. Jesus is going to show you thought that's what you were doing. Satan tricked you. That's not what you did. He says it's like a wall. I'll give you another one. In Matthew 25, Jesus gives his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking about the time in the service when offering bucket comes. And Jesus goes, hey, this is the unity of my people is so important that when that bucket comes, yes, because I am first, you return your first to me. That's really important. But he goes, man, actually, there's something more important than you returning your first to me immediately. 
That is the unity of the brothers. No bitterness, no unforgiveness. And then Jesus says, if that happens, he goes, here's what I want you to do. I want, before you even give, get up, go be reconciled to that person. That's more important to me than getting your first immediately. And then he says this, watch this. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be, here it is again, thrown into prison. Now, what imprisons people is bars, is walls. So he's going, man, unforgiveness, it's always gonna result in you living in a prison, a walled off prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, this is what happens when you take offense or woundedness into your heart and you hold on to it. It eventually becomes a wall that separates you from the people that you love the most and that you actually need a relationship with. Now, I wanna show you a visual of how this happens. Now, here, here's what I'm saying. Let me say it and I'm gonna show you a visual. Satan's goal is destruction. His strategy is division, but his tactic is offense. Now, I'm getting ready to show you an illustration. I, this is not original to me. I've seen this. It's an amazing old illustration. And I got some helpers who are gonna help me. Please help me welcome Miles and Abby on up to the stage. Come on, man, Miles and Abby. Come on up here, man. Now, um, Miles, get, get on over here. Miles and Abby, y'all, um, married for two years, by the way. Come on, somebody married two years right here. So, Miles, I want you, you right here. Abby wants you right here. And... Um, Married two years, and we're gonna, listen, we're gonna do some marital counseling right now. We're gonna get y'all to 20. That's our goal. We're gonna get you to 20 right here. Um, now, Miles and Abby, um, what you're looking at here, imagine this is like a potential garden. So this represents what your relationship could grow into, okay? And then this is a fence slat. And it's like, imagine this is like an, a fence. It's a, a fence, you, you see, yep, a fence slat. And here's what's gonna happen is um, this is where we want the relationship to grow. But what can happen, do y'all understand that you will, have you figured out you're gonna offend one another yet? Have you, okay, you figured that out. Um, let me just, yeah, you're gonna offend one another. So by the way, we wanna reward you for helping us. What, what's her favorite restaurant? Mi Casina. Okay, we're gonna, get, we're gonna take you, we're gonna get you to, he's gonna take you to Mi Casina. I'm not gonna take you, he's gonna take you. <laughs> What's gonna happen um, is offenses, they're, they're gonna come. So at some point, he's, he's gonna offend you give, you, give you an offense, but the decision that you have is what you're gonna do with it. So that's gonna happen. He's gonna give it to you, but you get to decide what you're gonna do with it. Now, I wanna give you um, a, an illustration, and we're gonna, you know, what is, this can happen, it's little, like Miles, you're gonna do the dumbest stuff. It's gonna be, um, it's a true story, so like, and prepper, I was talking to Jan about this yesterday. Jan and I, we've, is, uh, is Abby a good cook? 100%. Good, you always say yes, no hesitation. You just go right in. Um, Jan and I were talking about this. The third year we were married, this is a true story, Miles. Third year we were married, Jan and I went over to a friend's house. Her name was Sarah. And she made this macaroni and cheese with like all the crumbles on top. It was like perfectly toasted, all the thing. And we're over there and, uh, and I take a bite and I'm immediately like, Mmm, mm. this is so good. And then I said, this is the best macaroni and cheese I have ever, do you understand what I, I have ever had. And then I went a step further, <laughs> Miles, I said, Jana, will you get with Sarah and get the recipe 
because this is the, do you, Abby, you, you get it. And, and I learned on the, the way home <clears throat> that what Jana was thinking is, oh, Josh, I don't need the recipe. You will never get macaroni and cheese again. And you don't need to give me the recipe because from now on, if you want macaroni and cheese, you can ask Sarah is what she, now I asked, um, I asked Jana if I could tell that story. She gave me permission as long as I noted that she actually makes mac, better macaroni and cheese than Sarah is what she says. So I'm, so what will happen is Miles, you're going to be like doing this stuff and you're just, listen, you're just going to be talking. You're going to be saying stupid stuff because you're a man. You're just going to say stupid and you're just going to say it. And then in that moment, he's going to give you an offense and that's going to happen, but you get to choose what you do with it. Abby, you get, you get to choose what you do with it. Or, um, you know, it could, be, uh, it could be different things. Abby, um, sometimes you're gonna give him an offense and it's not something you said. Sometimes it's what you didn't say. So like Miles, you may, uh, yeah, this may have any, you may get in the car and Abby, he may ask you, uh, hey babe, uh, where do you wanna go for dinner? And um, Abby, you're gonna say, actually, will y'all help me out? You're gonna say, uh, I don't know or I don't care, and that's a lie. You're gonna lie, and, but you won't answer the question. And when you, now real quick, before I do this, Miles, let me just tell you, um, because you're, Miles is on staff with us, he's one of our pastors, so we're gonna do a theology lesson. Um, <clears throat> Miles, Abby is a woman. And um, the reason that women cannot decide where to eat, it actually has biblical roots. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. The reason that they can't, the reason they can't decide where to eat is because the first time they chose what to eat, they doomed all of humanity. And so it's, this is where this is from. She just acting out of her nature is what's happening. And actually, um, Abby, would you close your ears real quick? Miles, I'm gonna help you and every man in this room. Miles, uh, what you need to do, I'm gonna whisper because she's got her ear closed. What you need to do is uh, you get in the car and you say, hey, babe, I, I, I'm gonna surprise you today. Uh, I'm gonna take you to your favorite place. Guess where it is? And wherever she says first, go there. Yep. Okay, you're good. You can take that. So, so you're gonna get in the car and you'll ask her that question. And hey, babe, where do you wanna go? And, and wait, I did it backwards. He's gonna ask you, where do you wanna go? And you're gonna say, I don't know, or I don't care. And when you say that, what you didn't realize is he's going, I just wanna, t I just wanna bless you. I just like, will you help me? I just wanna help me help you. And then he's, you get the, and she's gonna give you an offense, now you're gonna get it, but you get to choose what to actually do with it. Or it's even, let me do this other one. A lot of times it's expectations. It's, do you guys know the, the breeding ground of offense is expectations? And watch this, especially uncommunicated expectations. That's the breeding ground of offense. So you're not even meaning to do this, but like, Abby, like in your family, you, let's do birthdays. Like, you, let's say birthdays. You, maybe in your family, you grew up and it was like birthdays were a big deal. Like you woke up, dad took the day off work. He had the chocolate chip pancakes with all the sprinkles on top. Maybe he had like a, like a special song he sang. And that, so that you brought that expectation in. He didn't even know about that expectation. You brought that in, but then Miles, maybe in your family, like birth, nobody even celebrated birthdays because it's like, what did you do? You just came out. Like, what are we even, what is, what is the accomplishment that we're celebrating here? And so it's just like, happy birthday, bro. And that was it. So what happens is, watch this, Abby, is you wake up and you have these uncommunicated expectations on the first birthday y'all do. You wake up and you're waiting for the pancakes with the sprinkles, 
But then Miles didn't take the day off. He just pecks you on the forehead, says, happy birthday, babe, walks out the door. And actually it went this way, walks out the door and boom, an offense just took place. Or let me just visually show this one. Miles, come back here with me. Or like, Miles, you may figure out that I'm out of breath is what you may, what you may figure out is um, you may figure out that, uh, that her recreational activity is buying things. So you may, oh, what she loves to do is she loves to buy stuff. Actually, come back up here. She likes to buy stuff. So then she comes home on a Saturday. She just trying to have a good time. She walks in the door with all these bags. She's walking in with a bag, but they don't look like bags to you. They look like grenades she's throwing onto the spreadsheet of your budget. And you're like, bro, I'm working hard. And then she sees on your face, oh, he's not cool with what I just bought. So she says this, y'all help me out. She says, don't worry, I got it on. You see how that, do you see that? And so, and then you're like, you got to, now come back here with me, Miles. So what you're doing is you may be, you, you, you're hearing this and here's what the devil wants you to do is he wants you to take this offense and like drive it into your soul. So you're like going, you leave and you don't let it go. You're just like, well, she, she doesn't care about how hard I work. She, does she not understand? Man, all these shopping bags. And, and she even said, oh, I got two of them 50% off. So it was free. And then she's driving it in. And, and so now do that, Miles. And so every time you're thinking, you're just driving it deeper and deeper and deeper is what you're doing. And, you're net, and so you're doing that thing. Now, okay, now go back up there. That's awesome. Now, you, you may, let me do another one. Is sometimes it's like, it's the stuff that before marriage you loved, after marriage you hate. So there's a, Abby, there's an there's a old country preacher thing. Country preacher said, before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites attack. That's what he, yeah, he was, that not original to me. And, uh, and so like maybe before marriage, Miles, your favorite thing is that um, you, she's mysterious. And then after marriage, you're always like, just tell me what you think. Just, I don't know what you think. And then Abby, for you, it may have been like before marriage, what you loved about him is he's the life of the party. But then what happens is after marriage, you get in and what was life of the party, now everywhere you go, you're like, shut up, Miles. Shut up. Shut up, Miles. Just why won't you stop talking? And all the stuff that you loved the most, you see, it changed. And now it's what you used to love. It becomes an opportunity for, for offense. Or sometimes it's even, it's little stuff. Like, Miles, come back here. It's little stuff. Like, um, you may be going on a date. And on the date, she's like texting in the car on the date. And you're just sitting in the driver's seat and you're stewing. And the whole time you just keep thinking about it. You're like, you'll literally lay in bed later thinking about it. And what you're thinking is, man, like when I'm, when I'm at work and I text you at home, you never pick up. But when we're on a date, all you do is text. What are you, you know, doing this thing? And it, does that, that land for anybody? And so every time you just think about it, just drive that thing deeper. Man, stop texting, woman. Why are you always texting? Can't you do anything? And you're just driving the offense deeper and deeper and deeper. And it, it, just, gets, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Or um, Abby, come back here. You may be like, you may be like, Abby, uh, for us, it's, uh, it's driving. 
like a drive, driving. We got a problem in the Howerton family. <laughs> and because the, the problem is Jana, Abby, Jana it has an amazing sense of direction, but she can't drive. <laughs> she is a terrible driver. And then Miles, my problem is I, I have a terrible sense of direction. I'm an amazing driver. <laughs> terrible sense of direction. So like literally anywhere, anybody asks me where it is, I'm like, I put it in Apple Maps and I follow the blue line. That's it. To my parents' house, I put it in Apple Maps and I follow the blue line. That's all. So then what will happen is like two weeks, here, Abby, you do this, come over here. Like this is literally two weeks ago, we're on a, on a date, Jana's driving and she almost gets us killed, Abby. <laughs> and I'm like making snarky little comments about her driving and then this is where you start, you know, putting it. And then she's like, this is literally, hang on. Oh, don't get a splinter. This is, that was rough. That was aggressive. And like literally what she said is, well, if you want to control the car, there's a seat that you could be sitting in. And then the whole time I'm making a comment, she's like, this, this freaking guy, he's the, I won't do that, so I shouldn't have said that. This stinking guy, he, some of you, that's gonna be your offense later. You're gonna be thinking about me saying that word and then doing that. And you're just driving it. Don't get a splinter. I would feel terrible if that happened. And you just drive it in and drive it in and drive it in. And then more and more and more and more. Now, Abby, you come back up here in the front and it's just all these little things. It may even be like the trash. Every time you take out the trash, you're literally going, why does he never take out the trash? Am I the only one who can take out the trash? You know, and then you're doing this thing where it's like, <laughs> what I say to Jana is you're not doing that for me, you're doing it at me. Won't you, will you just take out the trash? And all, all this stuff is happening. And then all of a sudden, Miles, watch this, is all of a sudden um, this thing that God had joined together has now been separated by a fence. See, this is what happened. And then someday, like 20 years from now, this is what your relationship ends up looking like is. <laughs> Abby? <laughs> hey, where'd the love go, Abby? Abby? We haven't been to meet Casina in six years, Abby. <laughs> what are you? Abby? Can... I'll drive, babe. What you do? But what God had joined together all of a sudden gets separated by a fence. And what you didn't realize is those little things that you were holding on to, someday that ends up with two people sitting across from a lawyer dividing assets. But what it started, it didn't start with a legal separation. It started with a fence. Can y'all give a, a hand to Abby and Miles? Would y'all do that? Thank you. And... Can I just, let me just say something to you is some of you, this is, it's not in just your marriage. Some of you, here's what's gonna happen. Somebody is gonna, cause some of the, it, it, some of this was big stuff in your life. It wasn't trash and texting and me casino. For some of you, what it was is, is like, like somebody that was supposed to protect you abused you when you were a kid. Or you stood across from somebody at a wedding and you said forsaking all others and you meant it, but they didn't. Or, uh, or the people who you were closest to, they betrayed you and you're gonna see some of them this Christmas and here's what's gonna happen. They're gonna walk in the door and here's how it's gonna feel. You're gonna be standing way back here and you'll say, hey mom, uh, hey, hey brother. And it's gonna feel awkward and the reason it feel, feels awkward 
is because you're separated by a fence. Like, let me, let me get for real, for real. Do you know what's gonna happen to some of you? Some of you, you cut off your parents or you cut off your kids in 2020 because of a stupid argument about politics. And can I just say something to you? Listen, listen to me. Politicians have term limits, but family members and friends do not. And so why would you ever sacrifice a relationship on the altar of some politician you never met before? Don't do that. And so, but then all of a sudden it becomes this thing and now I'm separated here. Can I say something to you? The only way out is by forgiveness. Forgiveness is setting someone else free and realizing it was you. You you thought that you were building a wall of protection. It was a prison of offense. And now you can't have relational intimacy. You can't have joy. You can't move towards your calling because you've been separated by offense. Let me just read this verse. This is what Jesus said you are commanded to do. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Can I be honest? I hate that verse. I do not like that. In fact, I sat down this week and wrote out what I wish that verse said. This is a Josh Standard version. Stick it to your enemies. <laughs> Gossip about those who hate you. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this in church, but I wrote it anyway. Give the finger to those who curse you. I'm not saying that's what I do. I'm saying that's how I feel. I'm just being honest, okay? Uh, and spill the tea all over Instagram on anybody who mistreats you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, you choke slam them. That's what, listen, that's what I wish Jesus said, but that's not what he said. But listen, that's because the wisdom of God is wiser than the foolishness of man. Because Jesus knows that if you stay in bitterness and unforgiveness, you will die in a prison. And he's going, man, I came to set captives free. I'm not asking for you to make them free. I'm asking for you to make you free. Now, this is the only way out of that prison is forgiveness. There is no other way. Now, right now, here's what I need to do. Some of you, as soon as I say that, internal defense mechanisms are rising up because you think I'm asking you to do things that I am actually not asking you to do. And you believe that because there are stupid things that smart Christians believe about forgiveness. So I need to, I need to dispel some myths. These are seven stupid things that smart Christians sometimes believe that are lies about forgiveness. I need to do these really fast. This is how I need to close the message. Number one, forgiveness is not forgetting. Some people think that, they're like, forgive and forget. No. If somebody abused you, if somebody cheated on you, if the people who were supposed to protect you betrayed you, you're never gonna forget it. And some people point to that verse in Isaiah and they're like, yeah, but God remembers our sin no more because he forgave us. That's not what that verse means. That doesn't mean that God like suddenly stopped being omniscient. What that means is that he chooses not to relate to us on the basis of our sin anymore. You can choose not to stew about it. You can choose not to replay it over and over again in your head. You can choose not to relate to the person on the basis of their sin. You cannot choose to forget it. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Number two, forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Some of you are like, well, I'll forgive if they, when they apologize, then I'll forgive. Can I just be honest with you? If that's your mentality, well, I'm not going first because I apologized first last time, fine. Then you will die in this prison. You will die in this prison. Because some people are so arrogant, so wicked, so narcissistic, so prideful, they will never apologize to you. And when you choose to forgive them, you are not doing something for them primarily, you are doing something for you. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. 
Man, listen, forgiveness is not ceasing to feel pain. Some people think this, and can I just say this? When you believe this or tell other people this, it's actually cruel. When you tell other people, well, if it still hurts, that means you haven't forgiven. That is actually cruel. Okay, remember what Jesus said in Revelation 21. When Jesus returns at the end of time, it says he will wipe away every tear from every eye. That's at the end. What that means is that we're gonna be crying all the way to Jesus. Just because it still hurts doesn't mean you failed to forgive. Number four, forgiveness is not a one-time event. Can I just, listen, I love you. I'm just gonna speak honestly with you. Forgiveness is a lifetime sentence. Forgiveness is a lifetime sentence. There's a Korean pastor that I heard one time, he said it like this. He said, every day I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. That's what he said. (laughs) Forgiveness is not a one-time event. There was a girl, there's a lady at my church in Nashville who her husband had cheated on her 10 years earlier and she had forgiven him, relationship reconciled, marriage strong, but she was honest with me. She's like, man, sometimes I'll see my husband like doing totally normal, non-sinful things. Like I'll see him just talking, saying hi to a woman in the lobby at church and all of those emotions come flooding right back. And she was wise enough to say this, in that moment, I have to forgive him again. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. When Jesus said, you must forgive seven times, 70 times, sometimes all of those times relates to one person and one offense, and you'll have to forgive over and over again. Number six, forgiveness is not trusting. This is so important. Listen, if you are young, you need to hear this. Some of you, I just love you. I just need to say it. Some of you are naive. You need to hear this. Some of you are wired like me. I am a naturally trusting person. I like lending trust. If this is you, you need to hear this. Listen, forgiveness is not trusting. So let me give an example. Uncle Billy abused the kids. You legitimately forgave him, but does that mean he can ever babysit again? No, never. Why? Because forgiveness is not trusting. Oh, well, you won't let me babysit. Don't be bitter. That's not bitterness, that's wisdom. Trust should be slowly gained and quickly lost. Trust is gained in drops, it's lost in buckets. Forgiveness is not trusting. Number six, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness takes one person and is always possible. Reconciliation takes two people and is not always possible. It takes one person to repent, one person to forgive. It takes two people to reconcile. Listen how the Bible says it in Romans 12. It just says this. If it is possible, implication, it's not always possible. As far as it depends on you, implication, some aspects of this are out of your control. Live at peace with everybody. This is not always possible. You can forgive someone of their sin and still set boundaries based on their sin against you at the same time. And listen, some people, they need to be loved at a distance. George Burns had his little a little joke, he said, happiness is having a loving, caring, close-knit family that lives in another city. <laughs> some people need to get that. So for, some people go, oh, well, well, forgiveness me. If you really forgave me, it means the relationship will stay the same. Nope, that's not what it means. Forgiveness means I'm releasing you of your debt to me. That's what it means. Now, some of you, as I say this, you're like my wife, Jana. She has a very strong sense of justice. And some of you right now, you're like, well, how's that fair, man? Like what they did to me and they just get off, where's the justice? How's that fair? And this is where our Christian theology is everything to us. Listen, my friends, you must understand this. Ultimately, justice comes from Jesus. 
Justice comes from Jesus. If the person who sinned against you was a Christian, then Jesus was crucified for that sin and justice happened for that sin in the body of the son on the cross 2,000 years ago. If the person who sinned against you was not a Christian, I'm gonna speak to you in a straightforward way, then justice for that sin will be meted out by God as they experience an eternity in hell. One way or another, justice for that sin will be done. Justice ultimately comes from Jesus. Whoa, I don't need to knock that over. Now, some of you will hear that and you'll be like, Josh, but like, you'll be going, you don't understand what they did. No, 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 you don't understand what you did. You're saying, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what you did to him. My friends, you must understand, no one will ever commit a greater sin against you than you committed against the son of God. It was our sin that nailed him to the cross. We brutalized, yes, we brutalized him. We brutalized the son of God. We abused the son of God. We murdered the son of God. It was our sin that held him there. We did all of that to him and God will never ask you to forgive someone else more than he has forgiven you in the person of his son. This is simply the reality of Christian forgiveness that justice ultimately comes from Jesus. Uh, let, me just, let me just need to lay this out there. Guys, we cannot carry our crosses and our grudges at the same time. You will have to put down one to pick up another. Your choice. Now, this brings me to the last lie. Let me close the sermon like this. Forgiveness is not losing. Some of you, if you're like, you're wired like alpha. You're like competitive like me. Like I like to win. I have to win. And it's like, man, there's something in you that's like, man, I, I can't forgive them because if I forgive them, if I let them off, it means I lost and I'm weak. Listen to me. Holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. And forgiving somebody doesn't make you weak, it sets you free. You must understand this. You didn't lose a battle. You will gain the presence and power of the Holy Spirit when you release them in forgiveness. Can I, let's do a little Bible theology. I just wanna close it with Bible theology. Check this out. Have you ever noticed in your Bible how often there is a connection between bitterness and unforgiveness and demonic activity? This is a very real thing. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we have forgiven anything, so that we would not be outwitted by the devil's schemes. The book of James describes bitter people as, listen, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. The book of Ephesians says not to let the sun go down on your anger so that you give no opportunity to the devil. Here's why the Bible connects unforgiveness and demonic activity. If hell is the place where nobody's forgiven and heaven is the place where everybody's forgiven, when we choose to forgive, we pull heaven down into our lives. But when we choose not to forgive, we pull hell up into our lives. And we cannot have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we are inviting the presence of unholy spirits into our lives through bitterness and unforgiveness. Whole sermon builds to this. I felt like in sermon prep this week, the Holy Spirit specifically told me to say this thing and there will be people in this service that God prepared you to hear exactly what I'm about to, about to say. At the end of the book of Genesis, there was a, a little kid, his name was Joseph. You guys remember, his coat of many colors, colors, all the things. Joseph foolishly tells his brothers about God's visions he's been given that God will elevate him. His brothers, listen, the people that Joseph loved and trusted the most betrayed him in their envy and jealousy. They injured him. They threw him into a pit. They sold him as a human trafficking victim into slavery. And he went into Egypt as a slave. In Egypt, Joseph eventually found himself in a prison. In that prison, Joseph made a decision 
to forgive his brothers. When he makes the decision to forgive his brothers, God immediately begins to elevate him. And Joseph is eventually elevated to the king's table, the highest position in the land. Here's the big idea, listen to me. The deeper the forgiveness in your life, the greater the anointing on your life. Here's what God wanted me to say to some of you. Some of you had some people in your life, they did a Joseph to you. And the people who loved you the most, that were supposed to protect you the most, they betrayed you. And a choice stands before you right now. If you will not forgive them, you will die in a prison. But if you choose to forgive them, the deeper the forgiveness, the greater the anointing. If you choose to forgive them, then God will elevate you and give you the presence and power of his Holy Spirit in a way that you've never experienced it before. That is what God needed some of you to hear today. Now, lest you don't believe me, the last thing I want you to see, I want you to see an example of this. So the 90 second video you're getting ready to see, the girl that's talking is standing exactly where I'm standing right now. Two years ago, there was a mesquite police officer named Richard Houston that was shot and killed in the line of duty. First responder, good dude. Christian man, great godly husband and father. Uh, Shot and killed in the line of duty. Lake Point, as we often do, we love first responders. We hosted the funeral here at this service. Thousands of people were here. And Richard Houston's daughter, Shelby, was asked to say a few words. His teenage daughter was asked to say a few words about her deceased father at the funeral. And I want you to see what she had to say. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me, but as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion. And part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father. But I can't get any, of, any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live. But when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, simply to tell him about Jesus. Man, some of you, when you see that, what you're thinking right now is like, man, like, where did she get that power? supernatural power for forgiveness. Well, there's a reason that the person that talked the most about Jesus had the most supernatural power for forgiveness. Here's why. Because ultimately forgiveness flows through you and you cannot do supernatural forgiveness without receiving forgiveness supernaturally by being reconciled to God through the person of Jesus in faith. Now, some of you, just be really honest. Right now, there's like something stirring in your heart And you're realizing like, man, there's like a relationship and a power I don't have. 
And you're like, man, I'm never gonna be able to forgive without some supernatural help. And what you're realizing is that, man, maybe you've been around Lake Point four, five, six weeks, and you're realizing like right now, like, oh, I need to cross a line of faith and develop a relationship with the one who's forgiven me in Christ. And if that's you, and you're realizing that you need to like cross that line of faith, Matt, I just want you to pray with me here in a second. So at all of our campuses, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Right now, bow heads, close eyes. And, and if you're realizing like you need to cross a line of faith and give your life to Christ, just pray this from a sincere heart, silently in your seat. Just pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that I've put other things besides you first. And then pray this, but I believe you died for my sin. Now, I believe somehow in some way the cross counted for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And now you live to give life to all who call on your name. <laughs> and so pray this from a sincere heart, from this day forward, as best as I know how, I will live for you first. I receive the free gift of grace apart from anything I've ever done just as a gift of forgiveness. Thank you, God, for adopting me as a son or a daughter. And right now, I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And um, man, at all of our campuses right now, if you prayed that prayer to cross a line of faith, maybe for the first time, um, here in a second on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand right now. And the reason I'm doing that is because I believe something solidifies in you spiritually when you respond physically. So on the count of three, like hand in the air, lock that elbow, don't ever let somebody make you ashamed of what God's doing in your life. So if that's you, count of three, one, God loves you. <laughs> Two, you came here for a reason today. Three, right now, if that's you, hands in the air, right now, wow, right now, keep them up, like lock that elbow, like man, I need it. I'm coming home. Like, God, my life is yours. I'm receiving forgiveness right now. Keep them up. Wow, man. Man, amen. 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 Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.